Nick, you got a full plate, brother. <laughs> Thank you. Hear me? The wisest man the world has ever known, King Solomon, said, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Paul wrote to a group of believers, not unlike ourselves, saying, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. What's he talking about? He's talking about the kind of influence we have on other people. You can sharpen somebody or you can corrupt somebody. An old TV commercial showed a father walking with his little boy. The little boy was about three years old. And the, the dad picked up a rock and he threw it. And the little boy bent down and picked up a rock and he threw it too. A little bit later, the father sat down against a tree and lit up a cigarette. And he laid his cigarettes by the trunk of that tree. And the last scene of that commercial is that three-year-old boy picking up that pack of cigarettes. Parents do influence their children, whether we realize it or not, good or bad. We, real, we influence our children but likewise, what we do outside the church influences other people too. Sometimes we sharpen others. We encourage them to follow us as we go down wise paths that we choose. Other times, we make others dull, leading them into some poor behaviors that we're doing. But our greatest concern as a church our greatest concern as Bible-believing believers should be, what are we doing to influence people for Jesus? What are you doing to influence people for Jesus inside the church and outside these walls? Last week I mentioned to you several ways that you can serve God inside the church here at Bethel. But how specifically are Christians supposed to serve the Lord outside these walls? How are we to serve outside the church? Certainly we don't want to turn people off from Christ. No, we want to turn people on to Christ. So we should be thinking carefully, very carefully about how we influence People, they may be your family members. They may be your friends. They may be your co-workers. They may be your neighbors. They may be some social acquaintance. They may be people you don't even know, but you're rubbing shoulders with them at Walmart. You're rubbing shoulders with them at Foodland. You're sitting and having dinner with them next door at Cracker Barrel. You have great influence. And today, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, provides we, you know us blood-bought believers, us heaven-bound believers, Paul provides we some clear and precise ways that we can serve God, serve the Lord outside the church. On page 1047 in the Bibles in front of you, I want you to follow along with me. Page 1047 
in Colossians chapter 4 and read with me some ways that you can serve the Lord outside the church. In Colossians 4 and verse 2, Paul writes to the church. He writes to believers just like me and you. And here's what he says. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, that I may make it manifest, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always, say always, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Friend, the first clear, the first precise way that you can serve the Lord outside the church is through devoted prayer. Devote yourself to prayer, staying alert, being thankful, and praying for me too that God may open a door whereby I may share the gospel. May open a door where you may be able to share the gospel. There was a ship that was sinking and the captain yelled out, does anybody here know how to pray? A preacher raised his hand and said, yeah, I know how to pray. And he said, good, you start praying. We're going to start putting on our life jackets and we're one life jacket short. You pray, amen? You know, many times we pray only when we're in a bind. Many times we pray only when we're between a rock and a hard place. Only when our backs are against the proverbial wall. Only when we're in trouble do we think about praying. But I want to challenge you today to be devoted in prayer all the time. I want you to be knocking on God's door all the time. Completely devoted in prayer. In good times. In bad times. On mountaintops, down in the valley, in fair weather and in storms, I want you to be praying, knocking on heaven's door and petitioning the Lord God Almighty. I want you to be praying because when you devote yourself to prayer, you influence people. You may say, how do you figure that, Brother Bill? How in the world does my prayer, what does my prayer have to do with influencing people for Jesus. Well, suppose somebody asked my advice about a problem they were having. What kind of influence might I have if my immediate response was, hmm, well, first of all, let's pray about it. First of all, let's pray about it. Well, they'd likely say, whoa, this guy believes what he preaches. They would think, man, this guy believes in the power of God. This guy believes in the power of prayer to change people's lives. Friends, I just want to tell you, prayer can make a difference in someone's life. Prayer can influence somebody. Think about this too. Uh, the devoted prayer life also influences people when they know you're praying for them. That's right. Doesn't it make you feel good when somebody says to you, listen, man, I know what you're going through. 
I know you've got to be having a hard time. I want you to know this. I'm praying for you. Man, it makes me feel good, and that has a positive influence on people. You can give me all the advice you want to. You can speak every cliche known to man, but what I want in my time of crisis is your prayer support. I want to know that you're petitioning someone that's beyond human ability to intercede and do something different in my life. Prayer, devotion to prayer, influences people. Knowing that somebody is praying for you faithfully every day, man, it has a positive influence on you. I'm telling you. Luke 18, 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Listen carefully. If you've stopped praying, you've given up. If you've stopped praying for a family member or friend to come to Christ, you've given up on them. If you've stopped praying for a husband or a wife to come to Christ, to change their ways, if you've stopped praying for them, you've given up on them. We never stop praying. But to have a good influence for Christ outside the church, we must also embrace clear preaching. Pray that God may open a door for our message. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. In older days, it was a long-standing custom for a visiting preacher to stay at the home of a church family. Well, one Sunday morning, the lady of the house uh, was hosting a preacher, prepared this incredible breakfast for him. Bacon and eggs, biscuits and gravy, even pancakes. But when the minister came downstairs, he apologized and he said, Ma'am, I'm so sorry. I can never eat before I preach. And I'm set to preach here in just a short while. So the mother and the eight-year-old boy ate breakfast, and they went on to church. And after church, the mom asked the little boy, hey, well, what did you think of the preacher's sermon? And the little boy said, he should have ate breakfast. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Clear preaching. You may say, Brother Bill, there ain't no way you're getting me behind that pulpit. I feel you. Amen. And I want to tell you this. Yes, preaching is done by the word of mouth. But more often than not, successful preaching is accomplished through a successful life. Godly preaching is accomplished through a godly life. So my question to you this morning is, what kind of sermons... Is your life preaching? Life-changing sermons? Encouraging sermons? Sermons filled with hate? Negative sermons? I think we all know that some preaching influences people for Christ in a real positive way, and some preaching influences people in a negative way. Think about this. Ever heard a dry sermon before? Don't look at me like that. You ever heard a long-winded sermon before? You better not look at me like that. 
Have you ever heard of a poorly prepared sermon? Those kinds of sermons do not influence people for Christ. But rather than pointing your fingers at me, let me ask you this. Is your Christian life dry? Dry of good works. Are you long-winded about what Christians should and shouldn't do? In the meantime, when it comes to actually doing something for Jesus, you can't be found. Are you prepared in season and out of season to share the reason that you have for your hope in Jesus Christ? You see, I may preach dry, long-winded, and unprepared sermons, but so do we in our lives sometimes too. So we have to be careful because we influence people with clear preaching. But whether we preach from the pulpit or preach out of the overflow of our lives, Clear preaching about Christ and about God's word is absolutely imperative if we're going to influence people for Jesus. What kind of life are you preaching? Well, I want my life to preach a good sermon, Bill, but I don't know how to make that happen. How do you make that happen? I got four words for you. Small group Bible study. We call them life groups. Life groups. See, discipleship makes your life preach better. Did you hear me? Discipleship makes your life preach better. It's plain and simple. When you align your life with the word of God that you're studying, you become a stronger influence for Jesus. It's plain and it's simple. So there's two things there that influence people for Jesus. A devoted prayer life and a life that preaches clearly. But Paul goes on to share a third way that we can serve the Lord outside these walls. And he says, it's wise conduct. Wise conduct. Be wise in the way you act toward those who are outside the church. Did y'all hear that? Be wise in the way you act toward those that are outside the church, making the most of every opportunity. Have you guys ever seen those stickers that are on the back of delivery trucks? It says, how's my driving? Amen? It says, call 1-800-BAD-DRIVER if you see reckless driving. Why are those there? Well, the driver is representing a certain company. And that company is concerned that the driver represent them well. If the driver is speeding, if the driver is driving recklessly, then the company looks bad. What if? What if you had a sign on your back that said, How's my conduct? Call 1-800-FAKE-CHRISTIAN. If you observe unchristian conduct, would it change things? You see, people are watching us. And many of them wish that you had that sign on your back. Our conduct directly reflects the one we represent. Does your conduct match your calling in Jesus? 
Our conduct should match our calling. We all need to think about how we act when we're outside the church. You know, out in the world when you're grocery shopping. Out there in the world when you're eating out at the fish grill. When you're at work. Or maybe when you're uh, visiting a loved one at the hospital. Man, I'll tell you what. It's easier to be in the hospital as a patient than it is to visit somebody in the hospital. Would you agree? I've seen some Christians with some mighty short fuses visiting their loved ones in the hospital. In the heat of the moment, the way they talk to nurses and hospital staff, man, they speak with sarcasm. They speak with anger, contempt, and a disregard for how difficult their job really is. So when you're out of the church, do you act up? Or do you act like a Christian should? See, I would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather someone walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye is a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but an example is always clear. What kind of influence are you outside the church? We influence people for Jesus with our devoted prayer lives, with clear preaching, wise conduct. But listen here, we also serve the Lord outside the church through our gracious speech. And I ain't trying to get personal. I ain't trying to get in your grill. But we all can do better here. Let the way you talk, let your speech Always be full of grace and attractive, seasoned with salt, so that you will have the right response for everyone who hears you. One mother invited a preacher to dinner one time, but she was a little bit worried because her two young boys had developed the bad habit of cussing every now and then. And so she said to the boys, I tell you what, if neither one of you boys cuss one time while the preacher's here, I'll give you this apple pie I've baked. But if you do cuss, I'm going to give that apple pie to the preacher. I said, all right, we can do that. And so the meal went over very well, no cussing, absolutely no problems at all. And just before the preacher was leaving, he said to the boys, remember, boys, by God we live. And by God, we die. And one of the boys spouted off, and by God, you lost your apple pie. <laughs> Paul said, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, some people think that salty language means obscenity and profanity. But I'm just going to hear to tell you that, that foul language of any sort never influences anybody for Jesus. Never. Harsh, rude, crass, crude language can only turn people away from Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Why? Such sins among God's people have no place. Listen to this. Neither. Say neither. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking 
nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. What's Paul talking about here? He says, the way you converse, the way you speak, the way you talk with one another should be free from any trace of filthiness. It should be free from any trace of dirty stories, suggestive jokes with sexual innuendo. It should be free of any trace of obscenity or indecency. He says your speech should be free from any trace of foolish talking. You know, that kind of talk that a moron talks. Smutty language. He says your speech, Christian, should be free from any trace of coarse jesting. You know, those jokes, that, that talk with a disgusting hidden meaning. Obscene jokes and, and filthy talk seems to be so commonplace these days. But the Bible gives us a clear warning. A clear warning. Foul language should have no place in the life of a Christian. Why? Because it doesn't reflect the presence of God in us. I mean, how can you remind people of how good God is when you're talking in a filthy way that's totally counter to everything he stands for? You may not know it, but the great Christian author, author Max Licato, is the pastor at the Oak Hills Church of Christ in San Antonio, Texas. There are about three or 4,000 people in attendance at that church. But Max Licato gets no money for his ministry there. No paycheck, no salary, Francis, don't get no ideas. <laughs> so how does Max make a living? How does Max clothe his children? How does he pay the mortgage? Max gets paid for his words. Max has written so many books, his income comes from book royalties. And man, I would love to know how much that boy's making, amen? But what if, what if you got paid for your words? What if you got paid for the gracious, uplifting words that you spoke to people? What if you got paid for the kind, caring, and sympathetic words that you spoke to people? You know the ones I'm talking about, the helpful words, the encouraging words, those words that build people up, not tear them down. What would your paycheck look like? Would you even get a paycheck? Gracious speech can go a long way to influencing somebody for Jesus. Before I came back to the Lord Jesus, I cussed worse than a sailor. I was on the telephone selling to transmission mechanics. And if I was going to sell parts to them, well, you got to talk like them. But when Jesus got a hold of me, the first thing that changed about me was my speech. And it didn't take them long to realize that I wasn't cussing no more, that I had gracious speech 
But things had changed with Bill. It was shortly thereafter. When they cussed, they would say, oh, sorry about that. One little old lady was attending a revival service. And when the invitation time came, she went forward. And the preacher said to her, why did you come forward? Man, this invitation is for sinners to stop sinning. And the old lady said, well, I ain't been doing nothing, and I'm quitting. If you're not doing nothing for Christ, if you're not sharing the joy you have in Christ, if you're not influencing other peoples for Christ, listen carefully to me, church. You're sinning. And it's time to start quitting. We all need to think more about how we can influence people for Christ in a positive way. So God's given us some really great ways today. He says, be devoted in prayer. Friend, are you praying for others? And if you are, listen here, tell them so. Tell them you're praying for them. Let your life preach a great sermon. Be the kind of example to your spouse, to your children, to your family, to your coworkers, to your fellow church members. Be the kind of example that draws people to Jesus and not runs them off. Watch your conduct out there in the world. Because I'm here to tell you, People are watching you. People are watching you. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do it all for Jesus. Be an influence. And number four, speak kindly to people. It doesn't take anything for you to speak kindly to people. Use your mouth for Jesus. Invite them to church. Share the good news of Christ. Speak life. Speak encouragement. Speak love to people. And commit yourself. Commit yourself to being an influence outside these walls. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all for the glory of Jesus. Now, your invitation this morning is a two-part invitation because we want to offer you the opportunity to commit your life to Christ. When you walk out those double doors, you can be absolutely assured that you are going to heaven when your time on earth is through. It comes by giving your life to Christ, committing your life to the Lord. And once you do it, it's a done deal. He died once and for all. For the sins of mankind. But the second part of this invitation is for those of you that say, Bill, I've already done that. But maybe you need to start quitting doing nothing. Maybe you need to start committing to being an influence to people for Christ. I don't know how God's speaking to you, and frankly, it's kind of none of my business. But I want you to know that if the Lord is talking to you, that if you come forward in the midst of this service, I'll pray with you. And if it's a decision for Jesus Christ, 
I'll show you what the Bible says about what a life committed to Jesus looks like and what the grand reward for it is. Father in heaven, thank you so much for a glorious worship opportunity like we've enjoyed today. Lord, I thank you for brothers and sisters that love one another, but most of all, they love you with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Father, let us demonstrate that we love our neighbor as ourselves by influencing them for Christ. Father, the list of how we can serve you in the church is as long as my arm. But the way that we can serve you outside this church is even longer. Lord, I pray that we would be devoted in prayer. That we would live a life that preaches a great sermon. Father, I pray that we would be speaking graciously. Lord, I pray that we would be wise in our conduct. Lord, you know people are watching us. Let us reflect your glory, your character, your goodness. And Lord, for that one that is thinking about making a decision for the Lord, Lord, today's their day. Speak to them as only you can. We'll be swift to give you the glory for it all. In the name above all names, we pray. His name's Jesus. And all God's people said.